World Jewry will be celebrating the day of Purim on the 14th day of Adar. This is the day where we are commanded to read the Megillah, to give gifts to the poor, to give gifts of food to our friends, and to rejoice, celebrate, drink, and make merry. <clears throat> the day we were victorious over our enemies, the day we rested, the 14th day of the month. In Shushan, they actually rested, the capital of Persia, present-day Iran, they actually rested on the 15th day of the month. And indeed, the Megillah says that for them, the mitzvah is to celebrate Purim on the 15th day of the month. The rabbis enacted as well at that time, the Sanhedrin, in order to honor Israel, which all the cities were destroyed, it was the time of exile, they stated that the cities that existed, that were surrounded by walls from the days of Yeshua ben Nun, the days of the conquest of Israel, the glorious days of Israel, those cities should be treated as well, like the capital of the world, like Shushan, and they should read the Megillah on the 15th, which is why if you go to Israel today, for example, Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, you will indeed be celebrating Purim on the 15th day of the month. Indeed, interestingly enough, if you're in Israel and you celebrate the 14th day of the month because you're in a different city, and then on the, by the night of Purim you end up in Yerushalayim, you actually have to do Purim twice because now you became a Ben Yerushalayim, a Bas Yerushalayim, you become a member of Jerusalem, and now you have to do the 15th day again only if you were there at night. If you arrive at day, you already missed it and you already did Purim on the 14th day of the month. What is less well-known is that in addition... There are three more days to read the Megillah, the 11th, 12th, and 13th day of the month. And who was this for? This was enacted for the Bnei HaKfarim, for the villagers. They don't live in cities. These are the villagers who actually provide, who actually make the goods. They actually grow the food in the fields and they bring it to the city people, which is a basic part of the economy. These are the villagers, the real production facilitate the ones who facilitate civilization, <clears throat> the kfarim, and they are the ones, so the rabbis enacted for them that they should not have to come in and read the Megillah on the 14th when they come in, or the 15th, wherever they would be coming into. They rather get to read the Megillah early on the day, the day that they come in, which was every Monday and Thursday, which is when the courts convene. It was the day of the market. It was the perfect day. That Those were the days they used to come in to the main city. And it's when they were able to discharge their obligation. <clears throat> in fact, according to Rashi, part of the problem is that they weren't able to read. They weren't as literate. They were able to read the Megillah. They would come in Monday and Thursday. And one of the Bnei Ha'ir, members of the city, would read the Megillah for them. And they would be able to discharge their, their obligation early, which ends up with the option of those three days, because if Purim came out on Tuesday or Wednesday, they the 14th day of Adar, which is Purim, came out on Tuesday or Wednesday, then they read on the Monday prior, which is going to be either the 12th or the 13th, and if it comes out on Sunday, Purim, then they go three days prior to Thursday, and they would end up reading on the 11th day of the month. Now, the simple understanding... <clears throat> This is the setup of Halacha, and indeed, this is the opening of the tractate of Megillah. Megillah Nikras, the Megillah is read, Be'yad Aleph, Be'yad 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 Gimel, Be'yad Aleph, Be'yad Tazvav, on the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th day of the month. 
on its face, the understanding of this law, of the reading of the kfarim, of the villagers, is a dispensation, an allowance, a heter, shehitiru chachamim. The rabbis allowed the villagers to read it early, the Yem HaKnisa. What was the reason? Initially, the Gemara thought that the reason was so that they should be free and open on the days themselves of Purim, where everyone is feasting and drinking, to be able to be providers, to be waiters, to bring the food, and make sure everyone has a sufficient supply of the food. The Gemara ends up changing its mind. It asks numerous questions, and the Gemara's conclusion, fascinatingly, as Rashi brings, as the Gemara says, and Rashi explains, is as a reward to them, that because of the wonderful work that they do throughout the year, that they supply the water and the food and the sustenance for the city people, we should not uh, make their lives more bothersome. We should encourage people to be living in the provinces and in the villages and actually doing this uh, vital work. And therefore, as part of that encouragement, the rabbis allowed, indeed, not the later rabbis, but the Ansheik Knesset Hakdoila themselves, originally when they made the enactment, the Gemara says that we learn it from the verses of the Megillah itself, which tells us that the rabbis who enacted the original enactment of the reading of the Megillah, which included Ansheik Knesset Hakdoila, one of the greatest Sanhedrins, if not the greatest Sanhedrin that ever lived, um, which had uh, as one of its members Mordechai himself, by the way, they made this allowance for the villagers for the 11th, 12th, and 13th day of the month. Now, the classic halachic understanding of this is, as we said before, this is a dispensation, it's an allowance that we allowed them to read it earlier to make life easier for them. But of course, the primary time to read the Megillah is the 14th and 15th. And in fact, we do find halacha that if a villager afterwards finds himself to be in a city on the 14th, that he should once again read the Megillah. He should read the Megillah. Even though this is not a simple matter at all. And in fact, Toisvis, I mean, the halacha is simple, but the understanding of it is not necessarily because they didn't really fulfill the mitzvah in its right time. You could very well learn that they did the mitzvah in its right time. But Toisvis over there explains that when you came to the city, you became a member of the city. Similar to the scenario I gave before, that if you were out of Jerusalem and then you came to Yerushalayim, you become a member um, of the city. In addition, you could say that the rabbis themselves said, that if you come to the city, then now you have to do like the city um, as well. <clears throat> The um, so in any event, but the classic understanding was always that the primary time is as explicit in the Megillah is the fourteenth and the fifteenth. This is only a dispensation. However, the Rebbe wants to be mechadish, a tremendous chiddush, where the Rebbe says that no, actually, these times, the eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth, the times for the bnei akfarim, is actually primary real estate. That even though. The Rebbe admits, the Rebbe gives in, he concedes that it's a dispensation, it's a heter. It clearly says that they were mekel on them, they gave them rushus, they gave them permission, which implies that if they want, they could do it on its time in the 14th. They don't have to do it earlier, which means that it's not, it, it remains the main time. But nevertheless, once the rabbis themselves, the Anshik Nesakdoyle, gave them additional days where they're able to do it, this now becomes 
the time itself that one that they are that uh, that they are um, the time the rabbi the time that the rabbis gave to read the Megillah. In other words, there's two ways of understanding it. Is it that the main time to read the Megillah is the fourteenth and the fifteenth? But the rabbis are allowing you to fulfill your obligation in the wrong time, even though you're not in the right time. Similar to the concept of Tashlumin. You didn't bring the sacrifice in the right time, so we're going to allow you to make it up. But you're not doing it in the right time. Over here, are we allowing you to do it in the wrong time to discharge your obligation? Or, no, this is the time itself. Now, this sounds like a word game. Who cares? But actually, <clears throat> there's actually a tremendous um, ramification to this. And to name a few, one ramification to this uh, distinction is <clears throat> that the other mitzvot of Purim, the other commandments of Purim, when I'm doing it on the wrong day, so to speak, when I, not the wrong day, when I'm doing it on the 11th, 12th, or 13th, what about the other mitzvot besides for hearing the Megillah? So <clears throat> it's interesting to note. Uh, regarding the Mishnah Simcha, the Se'udah, the, the celebration, the feast, the drinking, it clearly says in the Megillah, you may Mishnah the days of, of Mishnah Simcha, and therefore the halach is that no, that they have to do in the right, in the right time, so to speak, on the 14th, on the 15th, that on the 14th rather, if they're living in a village, they, which is what the majority of the world does, that day of celebration. And Mishlech Mani says, well, where you give gifts of food to your friend, that is also part of the celebration of the feast and so on. So that also was on the 14th. But what about the mitzvah of Matanis Levyanim, gifts to the poor? Gifts to the poor. So the Rambam says that if you give gifts to the poor on the day that they, that they came in, Monday, Thursday, 11, 12, 13, that they fulfill the obligation. Now, the Rambam's wording, everyone gets all involved over there because the Rambam says if they gave it out. In other words, they don't have to. They could do Matanis Levyanim in on the 14th. They don't have to do it on the day they gave it out and so on. But this question, which is a big question in the Rishayinim, whether it's the time, whether the obligation, whether the time that you're supposed to give, Matanis Levyanim, gifts to the poor, when you read the Megillah, it could, be very, it could very well be that it's dependent on this question. Is the time itself a time that was enacted for the reading of the Megillah? And this is, of course, when the poor people, and they see the reading of the Megillah, they come, they ask for, for money, and people give to them. <clears throat> it's a public setting, it's a time where you have a crowd together. So, is this the actual time for the reading of the Megillah, and therefore the obligation to give Matanus Levyanim applies? Or is it not really? Is it not really the time? And really, the obligation is on the 14th. So could I, in Bechlal, at all, fulfill, discharge my obligation by doing Matanis Levyanim on the day that I, on the earlier day? And if I can, am I supposed to? Do I have to? Or can I push it off later? Do I have permission or not? So that, this, this would be one um, tremendous um, ramification, difference between the difference opinion, different opinions. Another difference is that when I'm confronted with two mitzvahs, generally speaking, I say that you should do the mitzvah that its time is now, and then deal with the other mitzvah. <clears throat> There's a mitzvah bismana, and so on. So the question is, is it mitzvah bismana or not? So in other words, if, the, if this individual is um, confronted with two mitzvahs, then does he have to read the Megillah first or not? So it really depends. Is it actually the time to read the Megillah? Did the rabbi say this is the time that you should read the Megillah? Or 
it's I could just fulfill an obligation if I want and get rid of the obligation that I have on day 14 um, or 15. An additional ramification um, is can another person read the Megillah for them? Now, in general, this is a question. When you end up reading the Megillah on the 11th, 12th, and 13th, could you have a a city person read for you because he's technically seemingly not obligated and a person has to be obligated in order to be able to do the obligation for you but Rashi clearly says in the Gemara that the person from the city can fulfill the obligation for them <clears throat> and seemingly it would be dependent on this question and this is a big machlaikis so this, it would be dependent on this question is it an actual time to read the Megillah or there, it is not. It's not a time to read the Megillah. It was not given as a time to read the Megillah. It's you personally can can do the mitzvah as a gavra, but not as a chefza. And uh, the Rebbe compares this to another opinion, which is that the whole month you could read the Megillah until the fifteenth. And uh, from Jerusalem, Talmud, HaChodesh, it says the month that was transformed to a time of joy. And the Rebbe says that over there, clearly, even if you could do that, even if you could do that, uh, which it's a complicated question, and even though the Shukran says you could do it without a blessing, if you're not going to be able to do the, the Megillah reading in its time, clearly it does not have the, this, this quality that it's an actual time given by the rabbis to read the Megillah in terms of all those ramifications that we just mentioned. Now, <clears throat> why does Megillah have this uh, have this quality of these extra days, which are not explicit in the verse, but yet they have the same power as the time itself? The Rebbe actually compares it that it's similar to the Taisa Shabbos question, that we're supposed to add it in Shabbos, we're supposed to take Shabbos in early. Does it have the halacha? Does it actually get the holiness of Shabbos or not? A very, uh, right? <clears throat> so it's a, the Rebbe actually learns that it's a similar question. W- why does Purim have this quality of these extra days, but yet the Rebbe is learning this tremendous chiddush that it has the din like Purim itself in terms of that the rabbis themselves made the days themselves like Purim. Um... But yet, it's not written explicitly in the Torah. Because this is the quality of Purim in general. That the rabbis weren't going to include it in the, in the Tanakh. It, there was a special request. It needed to be revealed. That even though it doesn't seem to be worthy of the holiness of Tanakh, we make, we, we, they, they made it part of the Tanakh. And not only did they make it part of the Tanakh, it actually ended up as the Rambam rules, that it's the holiest script, that when Mashiach comes in the ultimate redemption, the only texts that will be remain for eternity as written texts are the five books of Moses and the Megillah. So we have this transformative element, this, this transformation. And, uh, and also within the Megillah itself you find it, that Hashem's name is not mentioned, which seemingly is because it's, it, it was written for the, the Persians were going to write it down, and, uh, and seemingly it diminishes from its holiness, but yet we turn that around and we say no, because it comes from a deep place, beyond Hashem, the way He is, beyond any revelation, beyond any name, 
and so on. And this is the special quality of Purim. And the Rebbe takes it a step further where he says that the Bnei Kfarim, the villagers themselves, represent this ultimate uh, transformation, this ultimate revolution, the ultimate purpose of Purim. And he explains that the, the ones who lived in walled cities, it means that they're extremely fortified in their Judaism. That they have that it's extreme, they, they don't have to worry about anything. Which he explains, according to Chassidus, means that they have this intellectual recognition of God and the truth of Hashem, which creates a yearning and a, and a, and a connection which is unbreakable. And then there's the regular cities. So they also have all the pieces in place and they just have to serve God. So they have the emotions and they have the love and they have the fear and they just have to make it happen. The ones who allow that reality to exist in the first place, the villagers, the ones who have to plant and they have to plow and they have to work through and create this world, that represents... The people on the battlefield, that represents the simple person, the one in Golos. And uh, this is the ultimate transformation, this connection to God, that they don't have necessarily the intellectual understanding or that emotional rigor, but they have the Kabbalah's ill. They have the acceptance of the yoke of heaven, that connection with God. And that is ultimately the transformative quality of Purim. The reason why Purim is going to remain for eternity is because of this quality of Kabbalah's El, and this is the fight against Amalek. This is why it is so linked with the fight against Amalek, which too is about the Kabbalah's El, just doing the action beyond rationalization that Amalek is all about. Understand, but it doesn't have to translate into, into my life. Don't take it so personally. Be cool. And we wage war with Amalek that no... That it has to come down, emotion. It has to come down physically. Kabbalah, accept the yoke of heaven, and uh, and bring Mashiach.